Exodus chapter 23, and for the sake of time, I'd like to, uh, like to take you down to verse 23. And uh, if, you're not, uh, if you're not a Bible scholar and spend a lot of time in the Scripture, some of these names can be a little bit overwhelming, but there's a principle behind them. So we're going to talk about it. We are at the place in the story where the Lord is telling the children of Israel after they have left uh, Egypt that he is going to send them into the promised land and that he's going to help them. And so all of the land that God is going to give them in the promised land, there are people living there, different tribes of people living there, that they don't belong there anymore because this is God's promised people and this is their promised land. And the Lord is going to give them the land. When we say he's going to give them the land as their inheritance, that means everything that's in it. He said the houses that they didn't build and the vineyards they didn't plant, I'm going to give you all of that. And so he's encouraging them in verse 23, and he said, For my angel shall go before thee. That's a pretty good start. And bring you in unto the Amorite. The Hittites, the Perizzites, and the Canaanites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites, and the Mosquito Bites. That's not really in there. I'm just kidding. I didn't add to the word. What did the Lord say he was going to do with all the ites? What did he say? Well, cut them off. How many of you know he's always making a way? He said, but I got, I got to deal with you about this. They're living there, and I'm going to cut them off. You're going to have victory. He said, but don't you bow down to their gods. Don't you serve them. Don't do after the works that they've been doing. But overthrow them. And if you're going to overthrow them and kick them out, he said, I want you to get rid of their gods too, their images. He said, tear it all down. Get rid of it. You shall serve the Lord your God. He's going to bless your bread and your water. He's going to take care of you. You believe that? Amen. How many of you believe no matter how bad it gets, he takes care of his people? He said, I'm going to take sickness away from the midst of thee. I still believe he can do that. I still believe he can do that. You shall serve the Lord. He's going to bless your food. He's going to bless your water. He's going to take the sickness away. There shall nothing cast their young, nor be barren in thy land. It's going to be fruitful. He's going to take care of you. I'm going to send my fear before you, and will destroy all the people to whom thou shalt come, and I will make all thine enemies turn their backs unto thee. And I will send hornets before thee. Some, some rabbinical uh, research and teachers, scholars, believe that these hornets may even be alluding to angels. The Lord said, I'm going to drive these warring angels in ahead of you. And they shall drive out the Hivite, the Canaanite, the Hittite. Somebody say, the Lord's got this. But I will not drive them out from before thee in one year. I'm not going to do it all at once. Lest the land become desolate and the beasts of the field multiply against thee. Verse 30 by little 
and little. Now, this is old King James language, so in our language, it's not taking it out of context at all to say, and little by little, little by little, I will drive them out from before thee until you're increased and inherit the land. So here's the summation. I've already given you the land. It belongs to you. I preached this a couple weeks ago. It, it belongs to you. Now you've got to occupy. got to be patient to occupy. But he said, I need you to be patient in the process. Because I can't give you all of it at one time. You're not ready. He said, I'm going to do it little by little. And I'm going to teach you how to win a little, a lot. That's what I want to preach to you this morning. How to win a little, a lot. You may be seated in Jesus' name. So, the concept of impatience. Thank the Lord when I read the Bible, I realize it didn't start with me. I'm not the first person that's ever been impatient, but I'm probably the only person in this room that's ever been impatient. Does anybody in here ever have a hard time waiting? Well, let me ask you this. Have you ever had a hard time waiting on the Lord? When you felt like, God, I need an answer and I need it yesterday. Why am I not getting the answer that I want to get? Why am I not seeing the victory? Why am I not seeing this prayer that I've been praying being answered? So for all of you real people that were honest and admitted, we're not going to deal with the liars that didn't admit it this morning. We're just going to talk with people that really admitted it. It's so hard to wait on the Lord because we know what he can do. And we are... We are formed in our thought processes to believe that there's nothing too hard for God. Does anybody believe that with me this morning? How many of you have seen him move mountains in your life that you know you couldn't have moved on your own? How many of you have seen him bring you to victories that you know you could have never won on your own? Come on, I like this part. How many of you know he's able this morning? But how many of you in this room can testify to the fact that he moved the mountain, but he didn't move it when you thought he should? Come on now. And at the time you thought it was going to kill you waiting on the Lord, but you realize now that your character was formed and your faith is different. And thank God he didn't extract you from the things that you were going to have to endure in order to possess that promise. But there are seasons in life that are the, what I like to call the hard seasons. It's easy to get inspired when the promise comes to us. I'm going to give you the land. I'm going to send my angel before you. I'm going to drive every one of them ites out of your life. I'm going to send every Hivite, every, uh, every, everything that in your life is contrary to my will. That's the easiest way I can say this. Everything that's not supposed to be in your life, I'm going to move it out. But I need you to be patient while I'm working. I need you to learn to trust me when you don't have answers. I need you to learn to open up your mouth 
and still say, Lord, I know you can. But if you don't, I'm still going to be faithful in the process of time. It's so hard. It's so hard because I've, I've seen him. I've seen him work. And uh, he's worked in my life. He's done amazing things in my life. I've seen miracles. I've seen, it's, it's amazing. And there's things about God that, that I'll never know, that I'll never be able to express, that I'll never be able to explain. There's things about God. It's kind of like, like the, man, the blind man that the Lord healed. And, and uh, it made the Pharisees mad because he healed the blind man on the Sabbath. And they went to the guy and they said, is this man a sinner because he healed you on the Sabbath? And the man looked at them and he said, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. He said, all I know is I was blind, but now I see. And there's things about God that in the process, you're never going to know about. You're, I, don't know if, I don't know if he's, I, I don't know what he's doing. I don't know why he took that long. I don't know why there was a wreck on the street when I was trying to get to work. I don't know why I had to spill coffee on my pants when I was on my way out the door. And now I'm late. But I've had those moments in my life of frustration where it's like, why do I feel like I'm always running late? Why I'm always running behind? And then I go to get on the interstate and I see lights. Then I realize if I'd have left five minutes earlier, I probably would have been in that accident. But it's learning to trust God in the process. It's the hard times. It's the, it's the difficult times. Not when I'm being inspired. And not when I'm rejoicing in the victory that I've won. But while I'm learning to wait in the process of time, that's where it gets tough. It's that, it's that waiting. It's, uh, it's those moments where you, you want to say, but God, I thought you said. I've seen God do miracles, instantaneous miracles. I've literally, in my life, seen blind eyes opened. I've seen God open deaf ears, people that could not hear. Look. You come too late to tell me that he can't do it. It's, it's more than just good vibes. It's more than just the power of positive thinking. Look, I know he can do it because I've seen him do it. I've seen people that could not see. God opened up their eyes and they could see. We have seen the power and the hand of God lengthen limbs on people that walk with one leg shorter than the other and the power of God would touch them. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not making this up. I didn't see this on a documentary. I'm talking about you could feel, the, the preacher said, I could feel bones popping, forming in my hand and when they stood up, their leg was perfectly the length of the other one. I've seen God do that. I've seen God heal people's legs, one shorter than the other. And then I've seen times and read stories like you've read in your Bible when God says, you know what, I'm going to make you limp. We're going to wrestle all night long, and I'm not here to heal the limp. I'm here to give you a limp, and you're going to walk different for the rest of your life. You're no longer going to be Jacob. You're going to be Israel. There's things about God that I don't understand. Why would God heal a limp on one person? Are you with me? So why does he heal one person's blind eyes and he doesn't heal another person's blind eyes? Because these, these are the seasons in life where we just, we're just like, 
It's bigger than me. I don't know. I've literally seen people with tumors die. God just fixed it, healed it. Every malignant cell in their body, gone, go back to the doctor. And the doctor says, we don't know what happened. And the church says, we know exactly what happened. And we've prayed prayers over people that we believe God was able and they weren't healed. But my faith is not tested when I'm healed. Are you with me today? If you've limped your whole life and somebody prays over you and you stand up and you're like, whoo. It takes no extra faith for me to believe God just did that. Because I know he did that. But if I'm still limping when I've been praying and he hasn't answered, it takes faith for me to say, God, I still believe you can. I, I still believe you can. And Lord, this is what you need to know about me. I'm going to keep knocking till you do. And every time the church doors are open, I'm going to be in the house of the Lord. I may walk in with a limp, but I'm walking in. I may walk in without understanding, but I'm still going to be there. I may walk in not knowing what you're doing, but I'm going to be there every time the doors are open. And every time I can, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to knock on heaven's door, and I'm going to talk to you, and I'm going to love you. My love for you is not predicated on the answer. He's just, he's able. That's it. Like, it's settled in the room this morning. Well, you prayed for so-and-so and they didn't get healed. Yep, they didn't get healed, but he's still able. He is still able. And so it's in this process of time that we're having to, I hate to even say it this way, but we're having to constantly convince ourselves that God is still able. And I'll tell you why. It's because my greatest battle in life will never be, I'm sorry if, 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 if you love giving glory to the devil, but I'm going to tell you, he is not the biggest battle in my life. Like, I mean, I've cast out devils by the power of God, of course. I, I don't know, Bishop, I wouldn't know where to start with how many devils we've seen cast out. We got power over the devils, but I can, I can also tell you, I don't know how many nights I've laid awake battling in my mind all night. And you, you can stand up and say, oh, I command that devil to leave this room and lay back down. Your brain's still going crazy because it wasn't a devil. This is going to surprise you all this morning. I, I, I hope you're ready for this deep revelation. Do you know the devil has never made anybody sin? Please be seated. The devil's never made anybody sin. But we make ourselves sin. And so while we're over here trying to get victory over the devil, that's done, man. That's over. Like, we've got that. But i got to get victory over me. Because when I'm in the valley of the shadow of death, I have to choose. If you've ever read Psalm 23, 
I want you to notice the language of David. He said, yea, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil. It was a choice. He didn't say that fear was not an option because it's always an option. You can always find something. I'm preaching right now. You can always find something to be afraid of. You can always find something to worry about. But you can also always find a reason to believe that if God could do it yesterday, then God can do it today. And if God could do it for them, then God can do it for me. And if God could do it for your family, then God can do it for my family. And in the process of waiting, I will trust him. Trust him. And so this is a this is a powerful principle over and over and over is that God promises and then you wait. If I really wanted to just preach some powerful faith to you this morning, I would jump to the story of Mary, the mother of Jesus. And I wish we could just really dissect it and go in today, but how many of you know who Mary, the mother of Jesus is? Yeah. She's not who we pray to, by the way. Mary is a little innocent virgin girl. If you don't believe that, then you can't believe any of the rest of the story. She'd never known a man. And she meets Joe, the love of her life. Joe is such a man, he's a carpenter. He knows how to work with his hands. When she holds his hand, you can tell he don't spend his day typing. There's something real on them hands. She rubs a callus on his hand. She, I can't believe he's all mine. I'm so in love with Joe. I've never met anybody like Joe. He's the man of my dreams. And she falls asleep one night to dream about Joe. And in the process of time, while she's dreaming about Joseph, or trying, an angel shows up and says, hey, excuse me, I'm fixing to interrupt all your plans. You are going to give birth to the Savior of the whole world. Excuse me? Yes, fear not. Don't be afraid. Because that which is conceived in you is of the Holy Ghost. God's doing a work in you. And so she wakes up the next morning and she's like, what was wrong with that pizza? This is crazy. She has this encounter with God. That God is doing something in her that's literally impossible with men. Because she said, how is this possible? Seeing that I have never known a man. And the angel said, because this is a work that's supernatural. It's the Holy Ghost. But this is what I need you to do. I need you to be impregnated with promise. And believe me through the process that I have your best interests at heart, even when you don't understand. That's unfair, God. But it's his plan. And so 
She is worried to death. She tells old Josephus, we're going to have to do something with this wedding date. I know what we're trying to figure out here, but let me tell you something I'm really trying to figure out. What, what is it, baby? What is it? You beautiful darling, what can I do for you? Joe, I'm pregnant! Excuse me. Now, Joseph, <laughs> I haven't cheated on you. Joseph's looking for Jerry. Jerry Springer. Because he's like, this is crazy. You're telling me that you're pregnant and God did it. Yeah, I'm pregnant and God did it. We'll get together later. And Joseph says, Lord, this woman's crazy. And the angel came to him and said, sir, everything that woman's told you is true. The will of God is being done, and you don't have to understand any of it. But I do need you to know that you have purpose in the process. Lord, if I could preach this to somebody. You have purpose in a process that you don't even understand, and you are going to call his name Jesus. You think I created you to be a carpenter. I created you to give him his name. I created you to name in the earth what's been named in heaven. Technically speaking, without Joseph, Acts 4 and 12 doesn't happen. That there's none other name under heaven, listen, given among men. Whereby we must be saved. Joseph, the pressure is on you for the name to be given among men. Whereby salvation comes through Yeshua. You are the one that names the baby. And so here she comes waddling through life. That little belly. People looking at her saying, what a reproach. What a shame. What a fool. Joseph, does he know what he's getting into? This is ridiculous. And she's walking through shame. How many of you have ever read the part of the story where she said, Lord, I'd love to be ashamed. It's not in the book. But she was willing to be used of God. And when you're willing to be used of God, you don't always choose how you're used of God. But for nine months, she had a process in her that she was not, she didn't have anything to do with except for just saying, Lord, I'm willing. And as the process grew and the child grew and the shame was there and the reproach was there, she had to learn to trust that God is in this process. That what God is doing in me right now is bigger than what they are saying about me. Can I preach to you this morning? That what God is doing in me is more valuable than what they think about me. More valuable than what they've said about me. And they can't change my purpose. And they can't kill this baby. And they can't steal the promise. But in the process of promise, I've got to trust God. And so what I'm saying to you, and I've really got to hurry this morning, is that sometimes when you're winning, it feels like you're losing. And the devil wants you to believe you're losing because of what you feel and because of what you see. 
and because of what's in front of you. But I want you to understand today that your walk with God is never, it's never been about killing giants. Boy, if I had time this morning, Lord have mercy. David was so powerful because God had learned to trust him. I want you to stay with me in this thought process. How many of you know he slew a lion and a bear? How many of you knew he slew the giant? Now find the place in the Bible where it says, so David went to the field to kill a lion. He didn't go to the field to kill a lion. He didn't go to the field to kill a bear. He went to watch sheep. And a lion came in and he killed the lion. He went to watch sheep and do his father's business. And a bear came in, so he killed it. Oh yeah, but he went, he went and showed that giant what was up. No, he took a cheese tray. David took charcuterie to his brothers who were stuck in a battle. And his dad said, go take him some bread and some, 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 some cheese and go take care of your brothers. He walks up and sees all these dudes hiding. He's like, wow, must be something going on I don't know about. What's happening? Hide said, whew, he's big. Is there not a cause? And he looks at this and he realizes, look, I'm, I'm fixing to preach to you right here. Put your seatbelt on. This is way bigger than me. I couldn't do this on my own. But I refuse to acknowledge that he's a giant. Not one time in your Bible does he ever look at Goliath and call him a giant. He calls him an uncircumcised Philistine. Why does he do that? Because God was not with the Philistine. And he's identifying, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I don't know why God chose me, and I don't know why any of these other rascals over here aren't interested in killing that big old thing. But I can tell you this, if God's going to use somebody, he might as well use me because I'm here and I'm ready. And I trust him that if I go for God, he's going to go with me. Are you with me this morning? So, while we like to read about David beating Goliath, that wasn't his first victory. David had to learn to win a little, a lot. And I'm going to, this, this is probably, you, you guys probably came for something deep this morning. You can take your floaties off. We're not going to the deep end of the pool this morning. I want to tell some of you this morning that you are victorious. And I'm going to tell you why you're victorious. Because you're here. You may not feel like you're winning at all. But look, I'm just going to be brutally honest with you. Somebody that's not here this morning lost. But you're here, so you won. And when you got up this morning... You may have had it cross your mind, ooh, it'd feel really good to just lay here. <laughs> Woo! It'd feel really good to stay in these pajamas. But I'm going to get up, and I'm going to go to the house of the Lord, and I'm going to see what I can do for God today. And you probably don't realize it, but you're winning. You're winning a little bit. But the more you do this, you're winning a lot. And you're winning a little, but it's a lot. You're winning a lot. And 
You didn't feel good in your body and you didn't feel like getting out of bed and you didn't feel like getting dressed, but thank God you're here today. And the Lord sent me to remind you it's not over yet. God's not finished yet. God's not done yet. You're still winning. Still winning. <laughs> I want giant. Yeah, but just start with a Sunday morning. I want to be there when the Antichrist gets kicked in the face. I do too. But I got to kill my flesh before I whoop his. Come on. I'm talking to somebody this morning about learning how to win a little, a lot. It's the victories every day. I want to be able to pray four, five, six hours a day. And I want you to. But I really want you to pray at least 15, 30 minutes, an hour every single day. Come on. Pastor, someday I'd like to go on a 40-day fast, but you haven't fasted 40 days in the last three years. Are y'all with me this morning? I'm not saying that to be ugly. I'm, I'm just being honest with you. Thank God for the extended fast, and thank God for the people who win every week. I've set my day, and I don't care what comes. I don't care what happens. I'm pushing away from the table. Just, I'm not going to eat. I'm going to fast. And you can count it all on fast days. You're going to get more offers than you've ever got. Some goofballs bringing blueberry muffins to the office on your fast day. They don't care about you six days out of the week. But on your fast day, it's apple pie day. We, start, we started a new holiday in the office every Wednesday. You're welcome. Are you feeling me this morning? I'm talking about winning a little, a lot. I'm talking about every day that you get up. When you could be discouraged, you refuse to be discouraged. Woo! I'm talking about every day that you get up, you could be defeated, but you choose to be victorious. Oh, my, my, my. And so, as I hurry this morning, I'm taking you somewhere. So the power of, of, of what I'm preaching to you is that the Lord gave them the promise, you're going to possess the land. My angel's with you. As a matter of fact, my angel's before you. The angel's going to drive them out. The angel's going to take care of this. It, you know, it's going to happen. But when you get to the land, the first thing I need you to learn to do, this revelation has changed my life. He said, the first thing I need you to do is learn to win a little. I need you to learn to win a little. A little and I need you to learn to celebrate little wins sometimes because we're not seeing big victories we don't know how to celebrate little wins when you've prayed and you've prayed and you've prayed and there's no answer coming you think you're losing no you're winning because you've prayed and you've prayed and you've prayed yeah, yeah, but, but I'm not getting an answer. So, so here's what's revealed then. You're only praying for an answer. But if you're there every day knocking on the door, he knows, well, they're going to be here whether I answer or not. That's who I can work for. They're going to be here whether they, they get the response they want. Whether I heal them or not, they're going to be right here. They're going to knock on my door every day. You know what that is? That's, that's learning to win a little. Every day. Every day. And so he says this to them, and you may think it's unfair, 
but I think it's super powerful. He said to them, I'm going to send you into the land, but I am not going to give it all to you in one year. I'm not going to drive them all out in one year. Verse 29, let's look at this. Here's the reason why. Lest the land be desolate and the wild beasts multiply against you. Stay with me. Oh, God help me this morning. He said, the reason why I'm not giving you all this harvest at once is because you can't handle it. If I gave you the whole land right now, your land would be desolate next year because you're not ready for that harvest. I wish somebody would just get bold enough in the spirit with me while I'm preaching right now to say, Lord, thank you for not giving me what I wasn't ready for. Thank you, thank, thank you for teaching me that if I would have walked into that when I thought I was ready, I, my harvest would have never been the same. I could have never had. And furthermore, he said, if I, if I give it all to you right now, the beast of the field would multiply because you don't have enough manpower to keep the beast down. So while you're learning to celebrate little victories, I'm going to make your enemy destroy the beast that wants to destroy you, and I'm going to make your enemy till the soil of your next harvest. He said, if you can learn to wait on me, don't worry about the victory. You've got that. But I'm going to put something over here that's going to be working in your favor. It's going to work for your benefit. It's going to destroy things that would have destroyed you. It's going to invest in harvest that you couldn't have done. But you got to trust me. And you got to learn to win a little, a lot. <laughs> well, God, I just think, I just really think you ought to give it to us now. I'm going to tell you something today, church. I don't think I've ever said anything like this publicly, but I'm going to say it. If I were to open my mouth and tell you right now the things that I feel like God's promised me for this church, some of you would leave. I'm being honest. Because you'd think we were loopy. That man's lost his mind. Maybe I have. But I'm going to tell you this. I don't get so hung up in the big vision. Yeah, I, hey, you know, there's like just over 50,000, 55,000 people, something like that in this city. We only want 55,000 of them. But I'm going to celebrate every single one that's baptized in Jesus' name. Every single one is filled with the Holy Ghost. Every drug addict that's taken off the street and filled with the Holy Ghost, I'm going to celebrate. You know why? Because I love to win a little a lot. Every soul that we grab out of the mouth of hell and pull them out. Every marriage that God puts back together, we celebrate that. Every victory that's won, we celebrate it. We've got to learn to win a little. I could preach this all day. I could go through concepts all day. But you got to get the, the principle of what I'm saying to you. Quit waking up every day and talking about how horrible this marriage is and how horrible my wife is and how horrible my family is. Learn to celebrate a victory. 
take your proud self and get your little old wife and take her to dinner one night and say, sweetheart, I just want you to know it may have been tough, but I love you more than I've ever loved you in my life. You know what just happened? You won a little. Well, she still gripes all the time. You know what? She may gripe, but now she's going to have to gripe because you were good to her and took her to dinner. Now she still gripes. Walk through the door with them flowers, son. Come on now. I'm going to speak a language you guys probably don't all understand. This is probably Chinese to some of you. But I got out of the truck the other day. My wife was getting off work here at the school, at the church. She pulled out in the parking lot. I said, hey, babe, roll down my window. You've been proud of me, Brother Andrew. I said, hey, babe, wait just a second. She's like, why? <laughs> I was like, hang on. And I'm trying to take the price tag off the stupid flowers because I don't want her to know what I paid for. <laughs> just one second. Brother Hill, Brother Adam Hill was in my truck with me. He's like, good Lord, bro. Seriously. And I jumped up. And I ran around my truck. And I got down to her window. And she goes, oh. And out of, the, out of the front seat and the back seat, my girls go, oh, come on, Dad. Riz that up. <laughs> Not everybody here gets that language. I understand. But I want you to know your pastor's got some riz. You know why I took, you know what, you know why I got her flowers? Because I want my house clean and I want dinner on the table. No. Got her flowers because she's the gift God gave me. Come on. I didn't get her flowers because she does everything perfect. I got her flowers because the Lord told me I'm to take care of her and that she's to be a helpmeet to me. And every day, you listen to what I'm, man, I feel this on me so strongly this morning. Every day that another family avoids divorce court, we're winning. Every marriage that stays in a divorce court, we're winning. And I'm here to tell the devil today, we're learning to win a little, a lot. I feel boldness on me this morning. If your marriage is struggling, if you're in a relationship that's struggling, I speak Jesus over your marriage. I speak Jesus over your family. I command every lying devil to have its mouth harnessed, and I speak freedom and joy in your marriage. Learn to win a little. I don't want to hurt nobody's feelings, and I really do have to finish but I'm going to tell you, for starters, if you just be a man and a woman of God and pray over your spouse and quit comparing your marriage to every Instagram account you see, you'd learn happiness. My relationship with my wife and my relationship with this church is not based on the highlight reel of what happens in every other church every Sunday. I had, a, I had a buddy of mine call me the other day, and he's like, man, we baptized 50-something. Like, thank you, Jesus. But just the other night, 
We baptize one in Jesus' name. I'm not making excuses for why we haven't baptized 50, but I can tell you, maybe the Lord knows we're not ready for 50. But we're going to learn to win a little, a lot. And 2024, it's going to be filled with baptism after baptism after baptism. Somebody's going to get the Holy Ghost every week, every service, and we're going to win a little, but we're going to do it a lot. And when I win a little, and you win a little, and I teach a Bible study, and you teach a Bible study, I'm going to tell you what's seated in this room this morning is the potential that in the next 12 months, this church can double. Because we learn to win a little, a lot. Pastor, I want to win this city. Okay, I'm going to tell you how to do it. You ready? Get somebody that already trusts you, that loves you, that believes in you, that you don't have to explain who you are to, and say, hey, would you be up for, let's get together for a few weeks and just talk about the word? Boy, it's quiet up in here. I'm going to rewind where you guys are going, wow! You know how church growth happens? Yeah, when you start preaching better. No. <laughs> you know when church growth finally going to happen? Yeah, when you guys get this music department together. That drummer's horrible. I know better. This church is blessed with all good music. Blessed with good singers. Why are you saying that, Pastor? Because if good music is what would win the city, the city would be won. Are y'all hearing me this morning? Well, when you, when you guys finally learn to love people as a church, oh, now you're on to something. But you got to quit blaming the church. Because we don't learn to love as a church. We are individual people that make a collective body. And I've got to learn to love you, and you got to learn to love me. So when we learn to love, you know what we're doing? We're winning a little. And when we, when we win a little, a lot, churches start doubling. Pews start filling up. We start looking for other buildings that God's already got his hand on for us. You guys may not know this this morning, but the Lord's already sent an angel to our next building. They're waiting on us. Our next building is waiting on us. This is the thing that I know. We don't have time to be building another building right now because Jesus is coming. But we got another building coming. The Lord's ready. And when we start winning a little, a lot, we're going to march out of here one Sunday, and we're going to get in our cars, and we're going to pull up to that new building just like we did this when we cut the rhythm, ribbon and tears were streaming down our face, and we're going to walk in and say, Lord, we couldn't have handled this building in January of 24, but because we won a little, a lot, we're moving into destiny. We're moving into providence, and we're moving into the will of God. I want you to know this morning, it's the will of God for you to win a little. Stand with me, I'm done. Tell your neighbor this morning, learn how to win a little. I want to tell you, 
precious people in closing today. I, I, I don't know how else to break this down. I, I, I've tried to break this down Gerber style so everybody gets it. Everybody understands it. But I'm going to speak a word that I think.